0: A start. On demand. On- on demand. The CRTC says Canada's telecoms industry is sneaky. We'll have an extensive chat on their findings and visit with a University of Ottawa professor who was a mystery shopper in their inquiry. The appeal process has begun regarding the Bruce Oak Recovery Center. Many people do not want it opening at the old Vimy Arena, so we'll speak to City Councilor Sherry Rollins about why this process is even happening. We'll meet a former client of Silo Mission whose story is both tragic and inspiring. We'll learn about the outstanding work being done by the Movement Center of Manitoba, and we'll tee up the sixth annual festival that celebrates food, beer, and wine. Love Local Manitoba. I'm Brett McGarry alongside Greg Mackling and loren McNab. We are Mackling McGarry and McNab and this is the Thursday February 21st podcast for the start. Mackling McGarry McNab <laughs> Mackling is like <laughs> was wondering what is he doing? He's no, got his hand up. It's like a blinder for him. I thought he was signaling fortier to do something but no. no. The Highlights of the Winnipeg Jets Colorado Avalanche game last night just popped up on Global News Morning. Shannon Kuz is talking about it right now. And Greg Please can't be bear to look. <laughs> what a at disaster! The destruction. The Jets. What, it was just like in the last two weeks. I saw a headline. I think it was the Winnipeg Sun. Jets buried. And uh, same thing today. <laughs> Except for
1: I just got the, the letter team. yesterday. Was it yesterday? Yeah. For your if you're if you're a season ticket holder and oh, we yes. own like an eighth of a season or something. Uh, declare for we your playoffs. Have to declare a playoff yeah. Pa- well, They're right easy right now. Decision we yesterday? <laughs> so you said yes right away and then last night felt otherwise or you don't regret it?
2: Oh no, of course not. I hey, I never get off the bandwagon. Ever, ever, ever. I never have. I never will. I broke up with the blue bombers for about twenty four months. Uh but other than that. Uh, I've never gotten off off the bandwagon. I cheered for the Jets for the 16 years they didn't exist. <laughs> so. Would it help if
1: they said I'm sorry for their play of late?
2: Uh, yes, please. I'd like to hear that from mm, Paul Maurice, perhaps. <laughs> He's the leader, right? Paul Maurice is the leader yeah. of the Jets. He's yeah. the head coach, so...
1: He's responsible, I guess, in overall for the actions of his people.
2: Correct.
1: Uh, I just mentioned that because before we get into our next segment, we just wanted to mention that the Trudeau government has apologized, or at least Justin Trudeau has apologized to Jody Wilson-Raybould, sort of. Um, the government has vowed to speak to the circumstances that led to her resign from cabinet last week, and while we wait to hear what that could reveal... He changed his tone a little bit, Uh, Justin Trudeau saying in the House of Commons yesterday that he had apologized to Wilson-Raybould for not condemning any negative comments or cartoons (laughs) that were published about her last week.
0: I wasn't quick enough to condemn uh, in unequivocal terms the uh, comments and commentary and cartoons
3: uh, made about her last week. Uh, They were absolutely unacceptable.
2: So I'm sorry for what everybody else has done to you. That's basically what he's saying right mm-hmm. yeah okay.
1: I, I mean it's not over yet but we just Come wanted on. to play that because uh, it, it's an apology for other people's actions maybe I'm not sure
0: so right now we want to talk about for the next couple of segments we want to talk about cell phones because the CRTC laid out or rather I guess they can you say they laid the smack down yesterday or
1: or they did for sure because it's kind of putting in writing what everybody has been screaming and pulling their hair out for years, right? And and that is that they reviewed everything with the telecom industry, and they've said, yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, it looks like they have been misleading customers. Jeez,
2: thanks a lot, CRTC.
1: For years now. So, right, that's the... Uh CRTC put out this 41-page report on uh, telecom industry yesterday and accused it of misleading and aggressive practices, saying they aren't just happening in store, but online, over the phone, and even in homes when companies go door to door. Now, they, this report follows five days of public hearings which took place last fall, and they heard from more than 1,000 Canadians who spoke about their frustrations with these sales practices. Here's Global's Mike Lecatour with just some of what was said back then.
3: If I treated my customers like they're treating me, I would be out of business in a day. App developer Tony Wachewski is fed up fighting with the big telecom companies. With his copious notes from every call to Bell and Rogers in hand, he testified before the CRTC, hoping for change. It just pisses you off so much, right, because you, you know what they said and then they don't do it. Um, but I, I keep a journal. I keep track of everything they say. I write it all down. Why do I have to do that? And most customers don't do all that. But even the chair of the CRTC recognizes the problem is at a breaking point.
4: If you pulled into your local
2: gas station, filled your tank, and then when you went in to pay, you were told the price per liter is now higher than that indicated on the pump, That would be unacceptable to consumers. Now, during those week-long proceedings last fall, the commission heard Bell Canada gets about one-third of the complaints, while Rogers gets the second-largest amount. I suppose that makes sense. About 10% of complaints. But in the report released yesterday, the main perpetrators weren't named. And the CRTC says that was on purpose, saying it's not about naming and shaming, but fixing the way companies treat their customers. To do that, it said it was going to introduce a number of measures, including a secret shopper program that will be used to check in on the industry. This is uh, long overdue and really just, in my mind, a consolidation of the things that we've been saying for a decade or more since this Industry came into being. Brett. But
1: do you need the validation, or do you need something to be done about it? Like, does it make you feel better to have them say, "Yeah, you're you're right. It hasn't really been working the way it's supposed to." Oh,
0: well, it's nice to hear, to hear that the this organization, this government body, is is has looked into this and is saying, "Hey, guys, uh, you might want to change this because." Getting a cell phone is never an easy transaction, and I consider myself an educated consumer when it comes to cell phones. I'm kind of a nerd with this stuff, like I'll watch YouTube reviews of new phones that are out, and I try to stay on top of what is coming. So when I go, when I finally do pull the trigger, when it's time to get a new phone, I know what I'm there for sometimes too much like i tend to over research stuff so then i'm crippled by this indecision i don't know which one to get but i know each of the phones but it takes forever like you go in so let's say you don't know what you want okay so you got to go in and pick a phone and then they need to help you pick a plan do you want two gigs of data do you want five do you want ten do you need a sharing plan to go with someone else in your family or with your tablet I don't know. How many minutes do you need? And then once that's all done, then they got to get on the phone and call the activation center to get your phone hooked up. And then what if you want accessories? You know, do you need a case? Do you need a screen protector? It takes a long time, right? And then on top of that, let's say there are two or three people in line. Well, while they're serving you for 20 minutes to a half an hour, those people are waiting 20 minutes to a half hour. So if you're the kid who is selling you that phone, you can't help but think, okay, I got to get this done
2: so I can serve more customers. Well, because you're already closed deal yeah, in the mind of a salesperson. And I don't know if they get commission at those stores. I'm guessing they must. But if you're standing, you're already in. Yeah. I've already got you. I've already spent your commission. It's already spent on Friday night's party. Okay. It's already gone. But I see more money standing behind you who who has, you know, a customer that hasn't been served. And I know you're conscientious, and I think I feel it sometimes too. It's like, oh, well, now you start feel guilty. I'm taking too much of this person's time.
0: Yeah, and then you're, as a customer, you might be reluctant to ask questions. Like, if you don't know, because they do... They just pound you with information, and if you don't know it, you might, I don't know, and then you might not know what questions to ask. You might see the lineup, and maybe you don't ask questions, and you go home uneducated. You don't know what you've got, and then you realize, oh, shoot, I didn't want this.
1: But Part of the thing wasn't just about the confusion or the cost or you know or how we all think we're paying way more than every other every other country in the world it was about actually just bad practices like potential lying at the door saying yeah here's your contract play price it's 50 bucks a month and it turned out to be 75 like there's there's actually been bad practices not just confusing or just too high a prices to begin with they're just talking about people misrepresenting the facts,
2: period. Well, how many of us know what a gig, a mag, all these different terminologies are? You see uh, Shaw has this high-speed internet where they're now they're doubling the amount of uh, pipe bandwidth that you have in your house. And then I get this offer from the competitor yesterday, and they seem to be offering me 10% of what I'm getting with my current provider on internet, but the TV mm-hmm. offer is pretty attractive.
1: Or you think you've signed up for a three-year deal, and it's a five-year deal and you're pretty darn certain that you had a contract in mind and it's a whole other thing once you get into it, right? Yeah. Or the price keeps going up within that contract sure. and you're like, hang on, I thought this was supposed to be X Locked dollars. Locked and-
0: Yeah. <laughs> that happened on my contract. I was paying X amount and then it just randomly got bumped up. I never went and looked into it because I I didn't feel like standing in line for well, 45 and minutes. And that's
1: part of the problem. Like In the way that it's been going on for years and we complain about it, but if you don't go public with it or you know, go after the company or speak out over and over again, they're not changing the practices.
2: Well, I have two quick stories. I'm going to tell one now and then when we get everybody together, I want to tell you real quick, I used to sell long distance to, to corporate customers when I lived in Calgary and that was back in 1999. Long distance was about five to seven cents a minute. Mm-hmm. I opened a phone bill for my grandmother the other day. I look after a phone bill for her she was getting charged 58 cents a minute to call a town that if it was any closer to Winnipeg, it would be downtown. <laughs> okay. And they tried to tell me it's based on distance. This, that, and the other thing. I'm like, is no it exchange? 1947? Yeah, no. When did th- When did this come back into practice? And so if I wasn't handling... My grandmother's stuff she would have been paying I think her bill that month ended up being close to a hundred dollars for her landline when for years you've been able to get a landline for about twenty bucks a month and all unlimited. you can eat unlimited long distance basically. Anywhere in the world, for sure, North America-wide, for another $19.95 a month. I was incensed. What
0: happened? Like, why were they charging
2: her? That's what they charge. Well, she's not signed up for this certain plan, yeah? And it's like, really? So she's got to pay $5.99 or something to get the four or five cent a minute long distance. Like, four or five cent a minute? That's what they were charging 20 years ago. It feels as though now all the competition's gone away. So now... When there's only two competitors on the uh, landline um, of side, how
1: little we had to begin with.
2: I, argue, yeah. I don't know, and uh, so I feel people's pain, and I think there are uh, there are companies that are taking advantage of you, me, and I'm really concerned about people who are not in tune with the technology, what they might be signing up for. <laughs>
0: Mackley, McGarry and McNabb were talking about the Canadian Television, Radio and Telecommunications Commission, which confirmed yesterday what has been widely alleged for years, that Canada's telecommunications industry uses unacceptable sales practices that mislead consumers and harm vulnerable members of the public. Jeff Braun is here, Austin Siragusa is here, Jeff Forte. Either you guys have crummy experiences trying to get a cell phone?
5: Not really. Just I I heard you guys briefly last segment saying about, talking about, complaining about how long it takes. And that used to be my chief complaint. And the last time I went to get a phone, I put it off for four months because I was like, I don't have two hours to deal with this. (laughs) It's like you're trying to buy like a nuclear submarine or something. Like, (laughs) why do I need 50 pages of documents to buy a cell phone? I'm trying not to swear on the air. (laughs) 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 But the last time I went, it was super easy. I told the guy I knew what I wanted. So that helps. I was like, look, I need a new iPhone and it needs to have way more space than this one that keeps running out of space. So he's like, this is what you want and uh, got a worse deal than I had before because it had been 3 years or whatever so but I was in and out in less than half an hour yeah so that was awesome the time before it took like 90 minutes so
0: yeah and the problem with even even then half an hour like let's say it's a busy day or whatever in the in the store uh, if, if there are three clerks and each person is being helped for a half hour, if yeah, you're yeah. the fourth person, yeah, yeah. then you got to sit there for a half hour to, just to talk to somebody.
5: It might have been my second or third attempt. Because I'll, I'll walk in there and I was like, can someone help me right now? No? Well, I'll become, be, try again tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Austin what about you
3: uh, not me personally but I know of someone uh, who was approached by one of these service providers uh, from a door-to-door salesman and they had they gave they gave them this great offer for you know cable phone all all that stuff and they negotiated this price but when their bills started coming in the price you know was going up and up and up every time so you know you said you got these 50 pages to read through yeah. you almost have to read through all those now just because you don't totally know what you're getting yourself into and these prices just fluctuate so much all the time and it's kind of you know, not cool when they give you this one price and then it just fluctuates all the time. Well, we
1: ran this story in the last segment where the guy said, it's like if you stop at the gas station and the price says 96 cents exactly. a liter. And then you walk in, they're like, what we meant was 200 cents <laughs> a liter. And you're like, Oh, that's not what the sign says, someone but you've already bought the gas. Why so have like. changed
2: the amount that I bought. And yeah. it's not,
1: it's not to say it's happening every time someone no. goes door to door or in every store, yeah. but it's happening to people enough that obviously they're saying enough is enough.
2: Well, I have a friend and I'm going to try and keep this as gentle as I can with giving anybody away, he had to go to see his mom and he had to make a long distance trip to come and see his mom because she had four cell phones under contract. She would get locked out of her phone. She's dealing with some early onset, some dementia. And so she'd get locked out of her phone. So what would she do? She'd go buy a, buy another one and they would sell it to her. And so, so she had three contracts. From the same phone. people? Yeah. Oh, wow. my God. Did that, that person terrible.
1: get it fixed eventually?
2: Yes. But. Um, the fact that they even got to the fourth. Is is un, unbelievable, unconscionable. And, you know, I think there is some responsibility on the companies selling to individuals to make sure that they understand what they're buying. This is not a hundred dollar purchase. You're making a twenty five hundred to three thousand dollar purchase. Purchase when you're signing a two year contract, depending on how much you're spending every month, anywhere from 75. I know a lot of people who spend 150 bucks a month. That's a $3,000 plus purchase over the course of a two year contract. So I, I think there needs to be more responsibility. This isn't a vending machine. We're going to talk to a mystery shopper who was cited in
0: the CRTC inquiry into this at 8.07, and you can weigh in with your feedback at 204-780-6868. Shoot us a text or email brett at cjob.com, mackling at cjob.com, or mcnab at cjob.com. Thanks to Jeff Braun, Austin Siragusa. So, a marathon meeting set for this morning at City Hall, where dozens of Winnipeggers, Greg, will gather again to express their opposition to the Bruce Oak Recovery Center.
2: Yes, City Council has already agreed to a rezoning application that paves the way for the long-term drug treatment facility on the old Vimy Arena site. But about 200 people have launched an appeal, and today they get their say. To explain how it works, we're joined by City Councilor and member of the Appeals Committee, Sherry Rollins. Sherry, good morning.
4: Good
6: morning. Thanks for
2: coming in to visit us.
6: Well, I need some of your morning time energy because uh, we do have uh, 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 quite a few uh, appellants and democracy in action that's going to happen over the course of, you know, maybe one day, maybe two days, maybe three days, depending if everyone comes.
1: On the Mm -hmm. list, if you look at it at City Hall, I think there's about 200 names. So so do Mm -hmm. all of those people, like there was another 200 or so letters, 200 names. Is Mm -hmm. it the expectation that they all get to show up and speak if they so choose this morning? So
6: absolutely, they have the right to speak. So last time I checked, over 179 appellants. Um, Now that's folks that are going to be speaking for the appeal. Um, And that doesn't include people who might come, sign up to speak, uh, and those that speak against the appeal. So, and, and appellants, uh, after they hear um, people speaking against the appeal, well, they, need to, they, can, they all have the right to come back as well and, and comment on what they heard in the room. So, very much democracy in action.
1: Part of um, me appreciates long, this appeal process, Sherry, but then part of me thinks, have we not already given the opposition in this story or in this case a lot of times to speak? I mean, it feels like we've been here before where they've stood in front of a mic to do heading on either side they've had it and made their case. So why did why does this get to happen? Why get this their say again?
6: Well that, that is the case and and true of City Hall in general and uh, the appeal process specifically. Um, there there is appeal process and they, and, and, and people who uh, appeal things at city hall go through committees um, on, on that appeal and and absolutely um, you know they appeal different things. so it's really important to know uh, you you mentioned uh, what city Co- council has already passed. Um, this is an appeal of the Ciboine Community Committee. And uh, it's specific to the use as a rehabilitation home, and uh, and people absolutely have the right to come and appeal that specifically.
2: So it, it feels though, and I didn't realize mm-hmm. this. So this is an appeal of the community committee decision. Is that what you just said?
6: That's right. The so that's that's P- Community
2: Committee. So that's prior to city. Council approval in the process, is it not? That's so we're we not yeah. really going back, not just one step, we're going back at least two steps in a sense, no?
6: No, it's important to know that they were different issues, right? Okay. And so um, they're appealing this specific issue back November 13th. In
2: terms of the zoning. Mm-hmm.
6: You're correct in terms of the chron- chronology, right? Um, one meeting was November, the next meeting was January. Um, but this does stem back to that November Assiniboine community committee. I myself was in an appeal that night uh, on a different matter, um, noticed that the Assiniboine community committee was going longer. And, and this stems from from that date. As committee members um, and as chair of the committee, I'm really looking forward to a good dialogue. It's really important that to know that your your committee, your city councillors, uh, meet an appeal with an open mind, and in some cases, meet people and hear from them from the first time. It's not necessarily the same counselors, and uh, and that it's that open mind um, that people should be absolutely absolutely assured of uh, when they come to City Hall and they express community concerns. and uh, And and it's actually my favorite part of being a city councillor. It's my eighth appeal uh, as as chair um, and uh, not my eighth appeal generally. Uh, sat on many more than that. But it's absolutely critical that we have a, a good, solid appeal process. And we do. Um, and it does take time uh, because people want to uh, speak to their city council and, and creating that welcoming environment is important. S-
1: some of the things that are being said, I have gone there's mm-hmm. there's dozens, maybe yeah. hundreds of letters. So hundreds I obviously haven't read them all. Yeah. But a lot of it seems to come back to the same sticking point, which I'm not so sure right. that you can address this if you if you can. Appeals committee can deal with, but it comes back to the idea that there's this sense from some in the St. James community that it was kind of done. done deal from the get-go and that's where many of their complaints stem from that they're mad that they feel like the process started too late for them and they now feel like they're playing catch up and so is it more about airing frustrations than it's really going to be about overturning something at this point I mean uh, is there an odds here how often do these decisions actually get overturned
6: well absolutely when people come uh, to appeals, uh, speaking generally, uh, there there is that opportunity for counselors um, to hear and understand from them, and so counselors' mindset is one that is an open mind, um, and and hearing and understanding, and, chain, and and hearts and minds are changed. Um, there there is an absolute open mind, uh, and uh, and and hearts and minds can be changed through this process whether it's through appeal or whether it's uh, through the appellants or whether it's through people speaking against the appeal.
2: I think we all want to live in a community where we can look at, at one another and as opposed to walking down Hamilton and go, oh, I didn't know that was they were doing that. Everyone can comfortably say, I knew this was happening. Knew it, yeah. I had an opportunity <laughs> to voice my concern because we all know People lead busy lives. They may not know that things are going on as in tune as they may be. And this is that last opportunity to, for everyone to know and to have their voice on this. Um,
6: well, that, that decisions fair? of appeal do go to council. So they they do go up through council. So uh, that was going
2: to be my next question. Yeah, then, so yeah, what's the next yeah. step so here? We're going to hear this today. Yeah,
6: in terms of process, um, the its appeals are on a three uh, month rotation. Uh, so protection, community services, and parks is the standing committee in which I chair, and we had the first uh, appeal rotation up after the election, and uh, it'll move on to another appeal. But all decisions of appeal they go up through council.
0: Sherry mm-hmm. Rollins. And debate is her it guest. again.
6: Oh, sorry. I no, interrupted no. you. I
0: interrupted you. I just you. want to stay longer. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> you we got are... a bean to get to. You need I to do. back to go. bag, I think, <laughs> Sherry. Yeah.
0: Yeah. City Councilor Sherry Rollins, Fort Rouge, East Fort Gary as well. She is chair of Member Appeals Committee. Thank you very much for joining us today. We appreciate My this. My pleasure. And we start this hour, Lorraine McNabb, with more on the CRTC.
1: Well, that's the group that's responsible for regulating Canada's telecom industry. And as we've been telling you about all morning, it has accused the telecom industry of using sale practices that mislead consumers and harm vulnerable members of the public. In its report, the CRTC found those practices are happening in-store, online, over the phone, and in many cases in homes when companies go door-to-door. So those findings follow uh, five days of hearings that took place last fall, and they also included results from a group of mystery shoppers. One of them was University of Ottawa professor Mary Cavanaugh, and she joins us on the phone now. Good morning, Mary. Good morning. So tell us, what does a mystery shopper look like? Did you go into the stores, wait at the doors? How did this work?
7: So what we did is, uh, let's see, uh, 2017, we had a team of two students from uh, the law school at University of Ottawa who, uh, we had two different scenarios. One was uh, purchasing a brand new phone and one was uh, changing a phone plan. So we had two scenarios and we took those scenarios into um, face-to-face kiosks at malls in the Ottawa area. Uh, over a weekend and um, had a checklist that this one of the students did the talking and the other one was doing the listening and then they would fill out the checklist when they left the store and make some notes on what kind of experience they had. So our goal was to see how the wireless code which exists to support consumers in their purchases, which describes a whole bunch of different kinds of information that the providers are supposed to give you how that was working in these in-store interactions and unfortunately the service providers fared very poorly and we couldn't get the same kind of information twice in the same the same within the same company in two different places we got very poor results in terms of um, what was covered in terms of the the um, Interaction, you know, basically they would only give you price and a very li- limited information. So the report we presented to CRTC last fall was this is, there's a lot more information that consumers need before they make decisions and they're being pressed to make decisions and then they get the information. So basically it's, we'll give you a little sort of teaser, we'll tell you we have a plan, um, it's, you know, has a very limited period of time that it's available. We encourage you to sign. And once you sign, you get all the different clauses that really give you the details, the nuts and bolts. So we're suggesting that consumers, customers need to get be able to get written quotes that are comparable, that they can take and actually do real shopping and compare across Service providers.
1: Well, we've actually tried so that. that was what, I was just going to say we've tried that at uh, Global News and at CJOB to do that kind of thing where you try to compare plans, and it's almost impossible because every single provider has one little caveat or one slightly different element to that plan, and you and it's hard to do that comparison shopping as it stands right now because no, not one plan is the same, not one kiosk is the same, not one provider is even the same.
7: You got it. That's exactly the problem, and it's and it's and. And it's not, it's a a real, it's a problem for consumers. And then they get caught into contracts where they didn't really understand the terms or they don't have the right kind of data plan or they don't understand roaming charges. And, you know, if they're trying to do bundle where you attach your internet, it is hugely confusing. And finally, the commission, this report we found very affirming because it said, yes, there are misleading and aggressive sales practices and no, the service providers aren't doing enough within their own sort of customer service orientation to ensure you know that consumers have a sort of a fair shot at buying what they need
1: so now the crtc says it's going to use folks like yourself these mystery, mystery shoppers mystery shoppers going forward is that going to make a yeah. difference like is because i think there's a lot of people out there that says we knew this was happening what are you going to do to make sure it stops happening
7: that is a super question. And in fact, yeah, it's in, in a way, I mean, this is really good news coming from the CRTC because they have acknowledged and they, they look after all of these relationships and they acknowledge this is a problem. But yeah, any consumer, any customer, any wireless phone user will say, oh, yeah, of course, we've known this for years. Getting it documented and kind of getting the evidence in a way that's organized and everybody accepts was a big, big deal. So we will be looking very closely now at what's your implementation plan, CRTC? What changes are you actually going to make? How long will it take? When can consumers expect to see changes? And what should they be doing in the meantime? Because, you know, wheels turn slowly. We know that, but we're optimistic to start with, and let's see what happens.
0: University of Ottawa Professor Mary Kavanaugh, who served as a mystery shopper in the CRTC inquiry into Canada's telecom industry. Mary, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate the time. You're welcome. Bye. 8.13 on 680 CJOB. I put her on hold just a touch too early there. It just sounded like I cut her off.
1: So I'd rude. I like to be a mystery shopper. So rude. I like to go around just fake shopping. Like If someone gives me a credit card, and I can actually buy things.
0: Oh, well, then you're not fake shopping. You're real shopping. Well,
1: real shop... And then complain about it. This just sounds like a perfect job. I really. <laughs> sounds like a real thing? life.
2: Sounds like every day.
1: Yeah. Except for I need someone else's money. You're missing the point. We used to have is. mystery
0: shoppers come in when I worked at Taco Bell.
2: Really? chi yep. was the same thing. We're super strict about it. There were very long-term employees who lost their jobs if they did not touch on what we called the server <laughs> sequence but once upon a time. that's shopping
1: within your own. So is Bell and Rogers, are they going to do that to make sure that their people are stopping to do that? Or is it, do we still have to have a governing body?
0: Maclean McGarry McNabb, and the mission. The Silo Mission Radiothon is coming up March 1st, presented by Pristine Roofing, and we are very pleased and excited to introduce you to a former community member at Silo who went through the missions programs and found housing about three years ago. His name is John White. John, welcome. Thank you for coming in. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. So we were told that your story is both tragic and inspiring, and that you can speak on both of those. Mm-hmm. Where would you like to start?
4: Uh... I grew up uh, in foster homes, 21 to be precise.
1: 21 different foster
4: homes? Yes, I did, yes. And um, it wasn't an easy (laughs) uh, place to be. And um, I I, I was always feeling on the outside looking in. And uh, at times there was abuse on many different levels, mentally, physically, emotionally. Um, I just wasn't getting the nurturing that children need to grow up, eh? So there was a lot of confusion. I was lost. Um, and that led in me into my teens when I was 16. I started to get involved in, uh, addictions. And, uh, my first addiction, of course, was smoking cigarettes, <laughs> And then, it, in when I was seventeen, it escalated into marijuana and then and acid, and, and it just kept on uh,
8: spiraling.
4: And, yeah, and and uh, of course, it consumed me, who I was, what I was doing in life. Uh, it, it was back in the sixties, uh, the hippy dippy days, and <laughs> I was really part of it. I, uh, of course. Uh, we had lovin's and we had uh, a lot of uh, musical shows, uh, rock bands, and uh, I was a big part of that. A friend of mine in Edmonton, his father was the promoter of concerts that came in and out of Edmonton, and uh, I used to do some promoting and put putting hanging up posters and. Uh, So it, uh, at times it was interesting and that's where my love of music came in, into my life and, uh, I've been with it ever since. Um, of course, over the years, uh, uh, it was difficult and it wasn't until when I came back from, uh, I lived in Vancouver for 12 years and, uh. In 86, I went back to Edmonton, and I just I just realized all of a sudden that, you know, all my problems, what was going on, how I was feeling, and it, it didn't have nothing to do with what I was doing, blaming everything out here, and uh, I finally realized it was on the inside what was going on. So I started to reach out, and I got into some uh, programs uh, for extended periods of time because I was really messed up. And uh, my anger wasn't so much out there. It was inside me. And uh, I was my own worst enemy.
2: So when you figured all that out...
4: Yes. ...and you realized what you were battling, who the real
2: battle was with, how did you... Happen upon Siloam, and how did they they help you channel that and to help you deal with those things? And I, I'm only guessing
4: that's part of what they did. Well, part of it was that this adventure of of trying to understand who I was in society it went on for years and years, in and out of programs, uh, some sobriety, and then I would fall off, and it's been a long long uh, mission for me. And uh, I eventually came to Winnipeg, uh, which was about 14 years ago. And I ended up at the Salvation Army. And uh, people were talking to me and saying, well, there's a place over down the alley, down the road there, and it's called Siloam. And you can go there and have something to eat and you can have coffee, and there are people you can talk to, and that's how it began here in Winnipeg for me.
1: You're yeah. in and out of addiction, in oh. and out of homes, mm. and then you you're in and out of programs to try mm. to make a difference in with mm. your life. And now I understand you you're actually in a 55 plus facility. You're living in a permanent space. Is is that? correct?
4: Now I am. Yeah. And I've been doing that for over three years now. So three
1: years have been (laughs) relatively decent then. Well,
4: it's been really decent. It's not that I haven't learned anything in life because I have. And I've, I've just taken those experiences and actually putting them to work, you know. in in a really positive and nurturing way. You've
1: had three years of success. Is there one thing that someone said to you, or is it just a sort of the combination of things through Salem that kind of put you on what feels like maybe a more permanent path?
4: Yeah, well, to me, uh, you know, my struggle was with spirituality too, eh? And uh, I I finally connected into (laughs) where I fit in, in my spiritual realm with God, and um, that's made a world of difference, And Siloam really helped me with that. There's a gentleman there that works for Siloam, and his name is Andy. And I started talking to him uh, and a number of other people that are counselors and people that volunteer their time. And it, it really started to open up a lot of doors for me. Well, we'll hopefully hear more of your
0: story, John White on March 1st during the Silo Mission Radiothon, which will be presented by Pristine Roofing. John, thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate the visit today. Well, thank you very much, too. Right now, Greg, we want to start by introducing you to a facility that uh,
2: is near and dear to your heart. Yeah, it's a facility and an organization doing life-changing work every single day.
6: This Place sees the child first and the disability secondary. Olivia has major parts of her brain that were damaged from a stroke that she had before she was born. At six, she wasn't walking, we were carrying her. She wasn't speaking. So we knew that we had to find every possible resource for her so that she could become the best person that she can be. And that's happening.
1: Let's stand up and go to lunch. I'm hungry.
6: You know, Olivia's independence has blossomed. Good, Olivia. Yeah. <laughs> to an independent 14 year old. She's eating, be more independent, self dressing, moving from room to room in the house, improving her balance. So she's always progressing.
5: The thing that we've learned from the movement centers because the conductive education focuses on retraining the brain to perform everyday living functions. I think they've really got it figured out here uh,
2: in terms of the best way to try and enhance the brain function going forward.
4: Up and over, left
2: foot. Movement Centre Manitoba is celebrating National Conductive Education Awareness Day. The Movement Centre Manitoba is one of only two centres in North America to provide conductive education beyond school age. And into adulthood, conductive education is effective for those individuals with cerebral palsy, multiple sclerosis, stroke, acquired brain injury, and Parkinson's disease. It's an incredible place. I've had, the, I've had the honor to visit a couple of different times, joining us in studio, joining us here this morning to help us learn about conductive education is the new ed- executive director of the Movement Center Manitoba. Olivia Dirksen, along with Diana, or pardon me, Deanne Coworko, her daughter Zoe, benefits from the work being done at the Movement Center. So, ladies, thank you for taking some time with us. What a powerful message! What an incredible place! Why don't we we start with you, Olivia? Where is the Movement Center, in Manitoba?
9: Well, first of all, thanks for having us, Greg. Um, so we're located at 1646 Henderson Highway, and um, we've been in Manitoba for—we're in our 21st year.
2: Now, if you didn't know where the Movement Center was, that, that address is completely <laughs> irrelevant, right? Because I know, I know. It's the generosity of, of Mr. Bergen once upon a time. Yeah. It's sort of underneath the parking lot in between two high-rise apartment buildings. It's in a hidden location, but it's a it's a hidden gem of a place.
9: It is, and you know what? I, I hate to say it, but the landmark is the camera light on Henderson and Gilmore <laughs> it's, is where we are.
1: <laughs> well, will help people. Help them slow down a little so bit, So just too. slow down. Make sure you take the turn and don't run the red. <laughs> we keep using the phrase this morning, conductive education. And I wondered if you could maybe help us understand what that means when it comes to what you're doing at the Movement Center.
9: Yeah, so conductive education is... Um, a form it's, it's a blend between rehabilitation and education, and it operates on the premise that no matter how severe the disability, um, that when the person is motivated or when the ind- individual is motivated, they can regain or gain independence. Um, so it's based on neuroplasticity and that the brain
1: does evolve. Uh, one of the things that struck me, I think in the clip that we just played, and I got actually teary listening to it because the mom said, she just wants to help her daughter be the best that she can be, which I think any mom or dad can relate to or a parent. Uh, and then you have an additional layer of maybe a disability or other that you're working with. And so I uh, wanted to ask Deanne, your daughter benefits. How old is she? What does she do there? And, 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 and walk us through a bit about your story.
8: Uh, Zoe is 10 now. She just had a birthday last weekend and she's been going there since she was four. Um there's no diagnostic for Zoe. She's um, got global developmental delays. So overall delays. So when we first going th- started going there when she was four, she wouldn't stand, wouldn't walk, wouldn't even grasp anything. Like she had sensory issues with her hands, anything that touched her hands. Like she would just refrain and keep her hands up and do nothing. So over working with Chris at the Movement Center over the years, now she's using her hands a lot (laughs) and she's becoming a little troublesome little girl (laughs) like uh, making messes all over the house and bugging her brother and having a real good time at life now that she can touch and feel and participate and that's for the walking if you saw her today if she was in this room she would go up to you crawling on her knees grab your hand and she expects you to walk around because that's everything she sees now she sees as a tool for walking and she's learned that with the the conductive education. When
0: you say when you say that you, when you brought her in when she was four, she wouldn't walk and wouldn't touch anything. Was it because she couldn't? Uh, she couldn't walk or just wouldn't walk? Uh,
8: it's almost as if her brain was telling her that no, it's a no go. You can't do that. Like it, it was a sensory, like any feelings there. It's a, almost like it was like a no, don't cross that line. And uh, so we had to find different ways to make you interested. It's like, and that's what conductive education does. It finds like a new neurological pathways that opens up your mind at what else you can do. And it's just like trial and error. It's like you try all kind of different things, things you would not normally do, and then you get really good results.
2: So the people doing the therapy at the center, conductive education is tied right into the title there. They're conductors. They are really... They yeah, are enabling. Exactly. They're engaging with the clientele yeah. there in order to, in my mind, based on what I saw, and you can correct me, but almost it's 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 as much inspiration as anything else that goes on there. Inspiring one another and feeding off that energy. Am I off base, Olivia?
9: No, not at all. In conductive education, that is one of the key components: is working in a group setting. So you know when you're sitting next to people, and let's say you know you're in a group with um, MS clients. Um, you know, and they say, you know, we're going to stand today. Well, if your partner next to you is standing, you're sure to do, you know, you're sure to do it yourself. Right. So it's very, it's a very inspirational setting. And, and even to add to Deanne's comment, um, isn't Zoe working on self-feeding now as she well, is. which is a huge, yes. a huge thing, you know, that this little girl can now feed herself I know. Well and is working towards it. And
0: yeah, it's, it's some pretty powerful work. Well, let's pause the conversation here because we have a few more questions for you. We have in studio with us Olivia Dirksen, who is the new Executive Director of the Movement Centre of Manitoba on Henderson, and Deanne Kawarco, whose daughter Zoe benefits from the work being done at the Movement (laughs) Centre. guests in studio today, Greg, have to do with today, February 21st, being National Conductive Education Awareness Day.
2: Yeah, and the Movement Centre Manitoba, only one of two centres in North America to provide conductive education beyond school age and into adulthood. We've introduced you to Olivia Dirksen. She's Executive Director of the Movement Centre Manitoba. We've also met, met Deanne Coworko. Her daughter Zoe, we were talking about her just a little bit ago. And in the words, the immortal words of Bob Irving, I think he shared this with me once upon a time, Brett, illustration is better than explanation. When Zoe started here, uh, we just wanted to get her into standing and to get her interested in standing. So that meant getting her to push up on her legs, to climb up into standing so that she could reach a world that was above a foot off the floor.
8: Two, oh, I push. I know she likes coming here because... As soon as she gets here, she's always smiling, she's always happy, she's always yelling. Before, when she came here, she would be just like, emotionless, basically.
2: I can't explain to Zoe why she needs to stand, why she needs to learn how to walk, because she doesn't need to in her world. She can get to everything on the floor by crawling. But if I can create an atmosphere where now functionally she has to walk to something that she wants, that's what's going to create the personality of someone who's going to grab onto their walker, stand their self up, and want to go on their own.
1: So we're talking about Zoe and her mom Deanne Carrico. And I was saying to you in the break, there's one thing to go to a doctor and have them listen to you, but another to have the people treat your t- child as an individual and not as a diagnosis. So when you walked through the doors of the movement center, did you feel like you had made that connection right away? Like now they're not looking at her with this label but what they think that they can do?
8: Oh, yeah. When I walk there, it's like walk, It's like a visit. It's like you're going to a family member. I like guess we're all a community and we're all in this together and the greetings that we get when she gets there. She's like a superstar.
1: <laughs> What's the difference between what the doctors have said to you versus what some of the staff there are saying when it comes to, is it intuitive that they feel in terms of how to connect with her and how to help her become her best self?
8: Well, the doctors haven't really said what she could and couldn't do and the movement center just tells me everything, all the possibilities that are out there. So it's more like the movement center has given us hope when the doctors just give us a, a label.
2: Olivia, it feels like a collaboration. We use the word conductor and conductive. It feels like a genuine orchestra when you're there.
9: It really does. There's lots of moving pieces, but it's the it's the way that these conductors are trained and the way they see people and not and with not their disability, they look at a at each client holistically, and, you know, how can we take their deficits and and help them achieve the most independence in their day-to-day life.
0: So somebody listening to this right now is hearing this interview and and thinking, you know, I, I know somebody or I have somebody in my family who might benefit from the Movement Center. What do they do?
9: Uh, go to our website at movementcenter.ca and we've got a pre-assessment form, so I would invite everyone to come down and uh, and get an assessment schedule an ass- assessment with one of our professionals and uh, and see if see if we could fit you into our programs.
2: Great way to see what happens there is on the website as mm-hmm. well. Some outstanding the video that goes along with the audio that we played for you this morning. Just a, a great way to immerse yourself and get just a tiny bit of a taste of what happens.
0: Olivia Dirksen is the executive director of the Movement Center of Manitoba on Henderson Highway. What's the address again, Olivia?
9: 1646
1: Henderson. Watch out for that camera.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there's two between two high-rise apartments, Greg. You got it. And then we also have in studio Deanne Kuerco. Whose daughter Zoe benefits from the work being done at the Movement Center, and now it uh, sounds like she's rather grabby. Is that uh, uh,
8: yes? She's in uh, <laughs> a lot of trouble. She's um, she went from pick, picking up a toy at a time out of her toolbox to flipping the entire thing over.
0: Okay. Oh cool. wow! So she's yeah. uh,
1: also strong. <laughs> like. She's building muscle. Right? No? She's just trying to
2: keep you on your toes, mom. Sure right? You know what they say: careful what you wish for. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Olivia
0: and Deanne, thank you very much for visiting us. We appreciate the time.
9: Thanks for thank having you us. For-
0: Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Got a bag of goodies here. Some locally made beef jerky. I, oh, is that a can of beer? There's a whale on it. So you passed around. Oh, he passed
1: it? around the beef jerky, but not the can of beer. I uh, see
0: your... Yeah, the beer. It's a Belgian-style <laughs> beer, so I'm, I'm calling dibs on that <laughs> one. We're going to tell you why we have this bag of goodies in a moment, but before we do that... I guess it began 36 minutes ago at City Hall, Lorraine.
1: Yeah, as we speak, we've got quite the crowd at City Hall gathering for an appeal on the Bruce Oak uh, Center. That's, of course, the drug recovery center that's proposed in St. James. Uh, we've had many, many, many meetings about this over the past year. And right now, you have those who are opposing this recovery center uh, stating their case as to why they'd like the decision to grant it zoning access overturned. That meeting's going to last. I can guarantee, all day, if not several days. And so it's something we're going to be keeping our eye on as that uh, controversy over that site continues. So
0: we have a bag of goodies that, like I said, features something called Mr. Biltong Beef Jerky Company. I see there's Bee Boys, Honey, there's a Farmery Beer, Great White North, a whole bunch of other products in here. And this is from our friends at Love Local Manitoba. It's the 6th annual food, beer, and wine celebration. It's happening March 2nd at the Victoria Inn. And in studio we have with us Peter Fair, who is the owner of Gourmet Inspirations and the co-founder and host of Love Local Manitoba, along with Jennifer Ashley, Director of Communications and Social Media Wizardry for (laughs) Love (laughs) Local Manitoba. Peter and Jennifer, good morning. Thank you so much for having us. Good morning. You're not wearing your wizard's uh, robe, though, Jennifer. I know.
10: I I had to put on pants for this, so a little bit disappointed, but we're still here. You
2: don't need the robes, and you don't need the the headphones. You're all good. We can hear you, and you should be able to hear us just fine. Great to see you guys again. This is an incredible event. This celebration of local Hmm. is something, uh, Brett, I, i feel like I'm tooting our own horn but yeah. I'm going to do it right. we've been doing that since uh, Brett and I right. uh, started working together we thought it was very important to highlight the things that are happening within our community not yeah. not the bad news all the time, not the politics, but sometimes just the good news feeling uh, when it comes to enterprise. And there's just such a positivity mm. in the entrepreneurial community right now. And I just want to congratulate you for uh, for capitalizing on that and putting a spotlight on it.
3: It's a wonderful way mm. to go about it. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's definitely been, uh, been a journey and an exciting one to bring all these amazing local companies together and uh, and just to see the sense of uh, community that exists amongst the food and beverage makers in Manitoba and the, how they help each other. And it's just yeah. an amazing industry. That awesome. really
0: is the, the, the word community, yeah, right? Because sure. anytime I go to these events, you, you'd think that there'd be almost a natural competition between mm. these vendors. You know, everybody's vying for a piece of the pie, but right. there seems to be so much collaboration and support amongst
3: them. Yeah, for sure. Why and do you th- think that is? I think that because uh, most of us are small producers, and so we realize there's enough pie for all of us, and so why not work together to, to yeah, just share share our expertise. You're not looking maybe
1: to be the big box store exactly. that has everything nope. in it. Nope. You, have, you have a niche, and you're sticking with yeah, that, which allows sure. you maybe to be more generous when you're selling somebody else's product, saying, right. I don't have that, but so-and-so yeah. might be good for you to yeah, visit, yeah, right?
3: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: So, Jennifer, love local Manitoba. Yeah. For those who have never been, what is it?
10: Oh, this is the perfect event to try something new. It's the perfect event to to invest in your food community. Um, and it's a great time to be selfish about living in Winnipeg. I think we as mm. Winnipeggers are, are really prideful of where we live and where we come from and desire to support people that come from us and who succeed in Winnipeg. And I think this is the perfect event to to find new vendors, to find kind of new comfort foods or new foods to showcase at your dinner parties or in your whatever you bring to lunch. Uh, it's it's the perfect event for anyone, beer, wine, food. Mm. I mean, who doesn't love either
1: all, or all of those three things? Yeah.
2: Well, you have all the components, all the elements of a celebration. That's right. This is what this is mm. in yeah. my yeah. mind.
3: Yeah. For sure. Yeah.
1: So how many vendors did you have or, or stores uh, when this first launched and how many do we have now?
3: Right. So when we first started, I think we had 20 vendors maybe. And we were at a smaller venue and it was a sellout event the first year with like 250 guests at that small venue. Now we've grown to uh, a bigger venue with over 50 vendors and th- up to a thousand guests. So, so it's been incredible.
0: 50 vendors what kind of stuff so it's food beer and wine yeah uh, you definitely. brought in the, the beef jerky here some honey I see what, what, mm. I'm just flipping the bag quinoa yeah, so, yeah Manitoba quinoa.
3: grown quinoa it's pretty incredible and it has a nice like nutty roasted kind of flavor and it's yeah grown right here in Manitoba did you include a, a, something of your own I did I brought a uh, creamy peppercorn whiskey sauce from Gourmet Inspirations ready to your steak with some fried onions and mushrooms and a gl- nice glass of wine oh, oh man. so here's <laughs> question
1: so- <laughs> That you're getting all our taste but like my stomach is actually growing nobody just heard that when you said peppercorn but i can taste all this mm. stuff when i go to the event i mean that i want i don't want to ha- i want to come and eat for is sure that lots part of, of sampling
3: yeah okay. all the vendors are sampling but you also have the opportunity to then support those vendors by purchasing products so sampling i'm purchasing you got a free cocktail when you come and it's just a fun classy evening out so so jennifer
0: you're the the social media person i am how important is it how do I word this? Is it important (laughs) just to do social media as a local business or is it important to not only do it, but do it well?
10: Oh, I think that engagement is kind of the buzzword that I always use when I talk about social media, because it's not just about saying, hey, I have this great thing. It's saying, hey, I have this great thing and I want you to engage with my product and I want you to try it and I want it to be on your shelves. And so I think that comes down to um, keeping like a consistent language on social media and inviting people to respond to your posts or come into your store or come and buy your product. Um, I mean, with food, there's so many awesome things you can do. You can showcase it alone. You can do product photography. Uh, you can shoot like take photos of people eating your product and having fun. Um, and I think the most common thing that we have as humans is that we all eat. Like, right. that's something that brings everybody together. And so I think that when you combine Instagram and kind of this social world that our society tends to gravitate towards nowadays, um, I think you kind of combine two things that we love, kind of being together on large-scale markets that Instagram allows us to be a part of, and food, which brings everybody mm-hmm. together culturally,
1: socially, and it's where and you find that. your inspiration too, right? You see a photo of something right. or you see someone post this totally. and you either think, hey, I want to try that, go there or make it myself. But either way, it involves purchasing some of these local ingredients or just right. visiting yeah. the place to begin
2: with. Well, to me, it's the ideal conversation starter. We do it every single day. Brett goes to a lot of trouble to make sure that we, we tell you what's going to happen in the show mm-hmm. this morning. Follow us on Instagram. It is a genuine mm-hmm. conversation starter. It's the beginning of engagement. Sometimes it's the beginning of our relationship with our listeners either for the day or for people that have never ever heard the show before they might come across us on Instagram
10: oh right. completely on my personal Instagram I have sometimes random people come up to me and say oh oh I, I follow you on Instagram but I have <laughs> no idea who they are All and right. they've never <laughs> met me in person but they they recognize me and they feel like they know me because I can engage with them through mm. my platform um, and you know sometimes social media can be taken as callous and it's uh, informal or in inhuman it's it's of a
0: degree of, of it. what does he call it anti-social media, or unsocial media. <laughs> <laughs> exactly which Kelly
10: it can Moore. it can definitely be but i think that there is a level of engagement that if you work towards it you can completely achieve
1: so do we have a favorite product or anything that you'd like to highlight in terms of if i'm going to walk in what table do i get to mm. first
3: so what i'm really excited about one of our our features this year is we have a welcome cocktail kind of station that'll be right in the center of the room mm. and it's a a mobile bar service called Nomad Box Bar. So he's converted this 1970s horse trailer into a mobile bar. And he takes it to weddings and events and whatever. And he's coming to our event. Going to set up in the middle of the room. And you go right to the trailer to go get your drink. Wow. That's so pretty cool. It's what kind of oh, and So we're going to make a Manitoba-inspired Caesar. So it'll have some biltong jerky on it. And uh, probably some uh, green bean spears from Florin Farmer. And so yeah, it's a Manitoba-inspired Caesar, and we'll also make a non-alcoholic version of that for people that don't want alcohol. And then we'll do a uh, hard lemonade. This thing is so oh, cool! Wow, ever, is it ever? I'm sorry, both Greg and I <laughs> oh, went. Uh, it so it's <laughs> like a
2: horse trailer, <laughs> yeah. and it's tricked out to the maximum. <laughs> this is wicked awesome.
0: Well, Peter Fair and Jennifer Ashley, they are from Love Local Manitoba. Peter is the owner of Gourmet Inspirations and co-founder and host of Love Local Manitoba. Jennifer Ashley, director of communications and social media wizard. For this sixth annual food, beer, and wine celebration, it's happening March 2nd at the Victoria Inn from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. How does one get tickets for this lovelocalmb.com
10: you can also buy tickets in person at generation green on main street or preserve store they only take cash but they're new and upcoming and they'll feature a lot of products that we also have so pick up some product pick up your ticket because we are so excited to mm-hmm. see everybody
0: it's going to sell out yep it will yeah,
1: with that nomad box bar. Exactly. Will, I'm, I'm already
2: trying to figure out I my did. head. Where can I get my hands on one of these <laughs> trailers? I want one in my backyard. Well, you can
0: awesome. pick up your ticket
10: and you can join us, and you can find out all of that information. <laughs> all right.
0: Peter and Jennifer, thank you so much for the wow. visit, thank you. and so thanks much. for the bag of goodies, much appreciated. I'm Enjoy. going to. Uh, I'm not going to tell you when I'm going He's to not going to gonna share. share. Right? <laughs> I feel like that's what's going to happen. Yeah.